0: Good morning, so glad you could join us this morning on a very special weekend. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, day is tomorrow, and we are so excited as a church uh, to get to celebrate with people throughout our nation, celebrating the remarkable accomplishments of this man and the people that banded together with him uh, to bring about major change in our nation Martin Luther King Jr., he was an American Baptist minister and an activist who became one of the most visible spokespersons and leaders in the civil rights movement. Uh, He was known for his voice for uh, nonviolence and for civil disobedience, this based on the Christian principles that he'd come to know and live by. In uh, 1964, King received uh, a Nobel Peace Prize for combating racial inequality through through his nonviolent resistance. King made remarkable accomplishments, but his was not an easy journey, um, nor beautiful in every way. And I want to tell a little bit of his story this morning. Some of us might be pretty familiar with it. Many of us may need a refresher to remember what we celebrate here as a nation on this weekend. King was born on January 15th of 1929 in Atlanta, Georgia. His legal name, did you know this, was Michael King. He was born Michael King. And uh, his father was also born Michael King. So he's Michael King Jr. Uh, but his father um, went to Germany for the Fifth Baptist World Alliance in 1934. And at that time, in honor of the reformer Martin Luther, he changed both his name and his son's name on the return from that trip to Berlin. Now Martin Luther King Jr., he suffered from depression throughout a lot of his life. In his adolescent years, he he initially is said to have felt quite a bit of resentment against white people due to the racial humiliation that he had experienced and suffered and endured growing up in the South. At age 15 years old, uh, King passed a college entrance exam as a junior in high school, and he began college. In his last summer, uh, in, in his last year of his schooling, He determined at 18 years old that, that he wanted to enter into the ministry, into ministry. He had concluded that the church offered the most assuring way to answer an inner urge to serve humanity. I want to say that again. I think this is really powerful, why he chose ministry and chose a life of serving Jesus. He concluded that the church offered the most assuring way to answer his inner urge to serve humanity, that his urge to serve people around him was matched, fueled by, and increased by his the service that the church is called to be a part of. So after years of participating in the civil rights movement, King was asked, along with a number of other key leaders, to to help to organize the March on Washington. It would be held in August of 1963, and some of the memories we, we share of Martin Luther King Jr. most is that of a speech where he said, I have a dream right? And uh, I, I've, I've been reading through that speech this week. It's a remarkable speech. 17 minutes. Uh, he spoke there at Washington at this march. And um, it said that in this moment, as he told about this dream that he had, that he departed from his prepared text and the message uh, that he had. Uh, possibly, they say, it was even at the prompting of mahalai Yeah, Mahalaya Jackson, uh, who shouted from behind him, tell them about the dream. And and from that, he began what has become one of the most iconic speeches ever in history, as he told of the dream that he had. So rather than quoting it, it'll come much better uh, if we listen to his words. What a remarkable man. What a remarkable dream that he had for the nation. A man committed to serving people, a man committed to his belief in Jesus and the life that Jesus invited him to live, so willing to engage in that work that he would give his life for the cause. In August of 63, he gave this speech. The following year, he would receive the Nobel Peace Prize. And a few years later, in 1968, he was headed to the Poor People's Campaign, another rally that he and his, his um, uh, co- co-workers had organized. He was assassinated. On April 4th of 1968, his death rocked our nation. In many different ways, there was riots and many challenging and many beautiful things resulted. But it was interesting to me as I read about King this last week, um, just two months to the day before his assassination, he had been speaking in his home church, in a Baptist church, and, and he had shared with them how he hoped to be remembered. Now King at this point in his life was experiencing lots of death threats in fact on his way to this rally where he would lose his life. His plane was delayed for some time because of a bomb threat on that plane. And uh, and two months to the day before he would he would his life would be taken. He had shared with this church what he hoped to be remembered for. He says, "On that day when I've passed and I'm remembered He said, I'd like someone to mention on that day that I tried to give my life serving others. I tried to love someone. I tried to feed the hungry and clothe the naked, visit those in prison, love, and serve humanity. He says, I want to be remembered for these sorts of things. And he says, if you want to say I was a drum major, fine, but say I was a drum major for justice. And for peace and for righteousness, say I led for those purposes. And he says to them, two months prior to his death, all of the other shallow things will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind, but I just want to leave a committed life behind kind of a person does it take to live a life that committed to the causes of justice, to the causes of peace, to the causes of righteousness? And so at King's funeral there in 1968, uh, they shared those words with him. But there was one other thing shared that day. Um, King had a favorite song. It's called Precious Lord, Take Me Home. And uh, as we celebrate King today, as we celebrate the life that he lived, the hope that he had in Jesus, and the very reason he lived for justice, uh, we're gonna we're gonna hear that song this morning as well.
2: Precious Lord, take my. Lead me on, let me stand, I'm tired, I'm weak, I am When my way grows drear, precious Lord. I fall Take my hand Precious Lord Lead Me home When the darkness Guide my feet, hold my hand, precious Lord. Take my hand and lead me home, precious Lord. Take my hand, lead. Let me stand, I am tired, I'm weak, and I am woe.
0: Thank you, Giovanna. And so we know that to be true in Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s life. That at the end of his life, he was led home. That he came to fully realize the hope that he had lived out for a lifetime And so I asked myself, were, were King's purposes accomplished? Did he accomplish what he hoped to? And in some respects, yes, he was remembered. And today he continues to be remembered for the things he wanted to be remembered for, for justice, for standing up for those that couldn't stand for himself. And yet the cause had and continues to have today so much further to go. So many places, both along racial lines, along socioeconomic lines, along many different divide- divisions in our, in our culture, and our society, in which justice still does not prevail. And King spoke to the source of this struggle that continues today, I believe, is very much still alive. In speaking with one of his good friends Harry Belfont the last time they spoke together Belfont uh, recounts um the fear and the concern that king expressed he was quite preoccupied and I asked him what the problem was and king said I've come upon something that disturbs me deeply we have fought hard and long for integration as I believe we should have. And I know that we will win, but I have come to believe we're integrating into a burning house. King said, we're going to win this battle on integration. We will be integrated into this society, but I fear the house we are being integrated into is burning all around us. He said, even while much will be accomplished that is very good, he feared deeply the society into which he was integrating his people, and rightly so. Because here's the thing, just uh, very shortly, a few days after King's death, the Civil Rights Act was passed in 1968, a remarkable, a very good transition for our nation, desperately needed, and yet... Here's the thing. Legislation can restrict behavior. It can can force us to do a few things, but legislation cannot change the heart of a nation, the heart of a people, right? And so remarkable progress was made, but King said, I'm afraid for what happens next because we will be integrated into the society and I don't know what will happen as this house continues to burn around us. And I continue to fear those same things today, and this is where it brings us, friends. We're in a remarkable place. We have a remarkable platform, as King did. As followers of Jesus, we are called more. We are called to much more than just the legislation that demands integration. You see, the very motivation that caused King to become a preacher, to become an activist in the civil rights movement was the words of Jesus. Many of them found in Matthew 5 through 8, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus has remarkable things to say about the heart of a person. He says, sure, you know, we, we can't murder and we will be subject to judgment if we murder someone. But Jesus says, but it goes much deeper than that. If if you're angry with or or hate your brother, well, you're subject to judgment because the heart matters. And King knew that the heart of the nation was not ready for integration, for equality, for all the things that were coming just a few days after his death. But we are invited to be people who take heart in the teachings of Jesus. As Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22, He's speaking with a Pharisee, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him. Teacher, what is the greatest command in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But he goes on, and this is the second, like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can you imagine what this... Integration into society in 1968 might have looked like if we were a nation that had learned to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know what elsewhere? Jesus is speaking with the teacher of the law, and he, he asked the same question of that teacher. And uh, it's in, it's in Luke chapter 10, if you want to look it up later. And, um, um, no, that, that might be the wrong scripture reference. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in Luke chapter 10. I'm sorry about that. Um, so he asks the guy that same question, what's the greatest command? And the, and the teacher of the law knows the answer. He says, love God and love your neighbors. But the teacher of the law asks him, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan in which there's a priest. Uh, a man has been beaten up and left on the side of the road. And there's a priest and there's a Levite and they both pass by and do nothing for him. But a Samaritan comes along. A foreigner, a person who is shunned by Israelite culture, comes along, but this man stops. He gives of his time, and he gives of his money. He risks being robbed by the same men that had harmed this man, but he gave what he had to help someone in need. And Jesus says, so who was the neighbor? And the teacher of the law is forced to say it was that foreigner. It was that person that we despised. And Jesus broadens the scope. Of loving your neighbor beyond what we can imagine. And I can't help but think of some of the immigration reform and the struggles we're facing as a nation right now. And what if we were people that said, who is my neighbor? It's those that are different than me. It's sometimes those that are oppressed by the laws of our nation. It's the people that are hurting. Who's my neighbor? It's anyone, and it's everyone. And I look around our nation, and I see Friends, there's a lot of room for progress. And while legislation is important and it will come to be in time, some of it good and some of it bad, we are people called to something even higher than all of that to learn to love our neighbors. Can you imagine what happens in this nation if that became infectious? Right? If, like this nasty flu that's being passed around the Tri Cities right now, what if it was loving our neighbor that was being passed from person to person as we just demonstrated so, something so radically different than what we hear in the media, than what we see from our politicians? What if we started demonstrating that love for our neighbor, for everybody? Now, I think that's beautiful. And that's what caught hold of a man named Martin Luther King, Jr. This idea that we can love that deeply. And it transforms our thought processes. It transforms the way we live our lives. It transforms community. It transformed a nation. But there's more to be done. We are those people invited to learn to love deeply. Matthew chapter twenty five, and I'll not read it all as as it's time to wrap up. But it's a judgment scene in which Jesus is uh, speaking to uh, the people standing before him, waiting to be judged. And um, those people will be separated. And uh, he'll say to those that are that are chosen, that are his people, he'll say, "Come, you who are blessed by my Father, and take your inheritance." And, uh, and he gives a reason in verse 35, for when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And, and the righteous, they'll say to him, but when did we see you hungry? Or when did we see you in prison? And in verse 40, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. Right, this is what transformed Martin Luther King Jr., this idea that we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves, to give as generously as we would do for ourselves. It's this challenge here that that is we take care of people in need around us. Friends, that is our calling as followers of Jesus. So today, as we leave here, remembering a man named Martin Luther King Jr., be inspired. Be inspired by the ways he challenged us, by the ways he responded to Jesus' call to love the people around us, to help people in need. And inspired by Jesus, inspired by Martin Luther King Jr., we leave this place with an opportunity to begin to transform the lives of individuals, transform the lives of a community, and to see it take root in a nation that more progress can be made like the progress we saw in the life of King. So today we leave here with a dream. A dream of a nation that looks a little bit more like Jesus invited us to live. A dream in which we care for the poor, the hurting, and the marginalized. A dream in which we love our neighbors. That we love foreigners. That we love people different than us. That we learn to love everybody in the way that God loves everybody. So friends, as we close today, as we leave here, Let's consider what it looks like to live the love that Christ invited us to. Let's pray as we close. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for an opportunity to reflect on remarkable change that has happened in our nation. Thank you for Martin Luther King Jr. So many of his cohorts is, is people that worked with him to accomplish incredible things for our nation. But Father, the task is not done. Injustice still exists and poverty still exists amongst us. But Father, we pray that you will give us the courage, the insight, the vision to be those people that move towards the margin, that moves towards uh, hurting people around us, that learn to love as you love us and as you love them. Father, we pray that you will help us to be people who come to realize that the hope that you've offered us is the the hope for humanity. Teach us to love our neighbor. Teach us to live out that love in, in remarkable ways, ways we could not yet even envision. Father, teach us to love well. Father, teach us to care for people in need around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.